you're listening to one of the Wellness Couch podcasts, obviously you're interested in health and nutrition and probably want to know more. My good friend Sunil Mera from Up For A Chat and the Functional Nutritional Academy presents to you the Intro to Nutrition course. This 10-week introductory program is the perfect kickstarter to help you gain knowledge and get empowered and develop a healthy relationship with food. To find out more and to get access to one of the world's leader in nutrition, go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. That's thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Kristoff. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. Damien, I think Brett decided to not be part of this podcast he's divorced. so <laughs> well, no, no, i think he just got scared of the conversation we're gonna have today <laughs> i don't know he's like <laughs> oh, baby. Are you not, you're gonna commit to this no way i'm out of here what? uh mindful you know, how am i gonna do that mindfulness, exactly i already do mindfulness in a cave you know the thing is um <laughs> we we had elise on our podcast about three years ago how crazy has time flown? like this is ridiculous three years ago it's we actually probably um, about 155 episodes ago that's the thing wow is, that's when we were actually didn't know, even know what we're doing, and uh, we still, still don't know. Don't. What we're doing. <laughs> we still don't know. But the thing, crazy thing is, that I remember mindful. I, I actually really remember that that, that period because I did it. We did uh, it for a whole month, yeah. right? For a whole month, meditated ten minutes a day for a whole entire month. It was, I'll 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 admit it. It was freaking. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard work at the beginning, yeah. but I was committed. I committed on the podcast, so therefore I, I made sure that I did it. And uh, remember, I was actually living in Perth and just doing it. So I'm just really excited to to have. Um, we're all excited to have Elise Bayou, um, who's a doctor, a coach, a wellness innovator, and she's combined her passion for the community and her professional expertise in the field of psychology, coaching, and mindfulness to create this Mindful in May challenge. Welcome back to the Wellness Guy Show, Elise. Hello, so great to be here. I was so great go. To, you go. There's a bit of a. Yeah, well, a, I, a I heard you kind of go. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things that uh, we were just having a chat about was obviously the, the the meditation part and just being having the mindfulness. Why? What? I know we kind of talked about this three years ago, but that's a three. You know, it's a long time ago. Why did you start Mindful May? What? What was? What do you think the need was in society that you go? You know what? I'm going to start a challenge and you know, you know, create a challenge for people to really just meditate or find mindfulness in their daily lives. Sure. Look, I created it because, first of all, I had started doing this myself and I had experienced incredible benefits. And then as a doctor, I was going to different conferences and I was being exposed to the science and the research that supported the really quite profound transformative effect that mindfulness can have on your physical and mental well-being. And so, you know, I was training in psychiatry at the time and I, I just had this aha moment. It was like this this is a skill that we all really, this skill will really benefit all of us in our daily lives. And and so the feeling was, you know, how can I scale this? How can I offer this teaching in a way that anyone can access around the world? And also this sense of connecting it with something that's a good cause. So 
doing something good for yourself, learning this inner skill, and at the same time dedicating your efforts to something greater than yourself through raising funds um, for issues around global poverty. So that was really the starting point. And I think the other thing is, as we all know, we can know about what's good for us, what we should be doing, but actually doing it regularly is a really, really big challenge for most of us. And so this idea of yeah, creating this challenge having a sense of community doing it together, making the program really accessible, so very connected to the science, very designed for the busy person that really just doesn't have time to meditate. So it's sort of the 10-minute-a-day thing, and but at the same time offering more content for those that do want to dive deeper. So apart from all the guided meditations that people are offered through the program, they also get these really incredibly informative and inspiring video interviews that I've done with all the world leaders in this field of mindfulness, wisdom, well-being. It's really great, Elise. Um, actually, I was thinking, why did you choose clean water projects? I was thinking, what's the what's the link? And then you said something about um, you know, this is a really good thing for people who are really busy. And then I thought, well, from a health perspective, we've kind of got everything that we need in Australia to be healthy. You know, we've got all the food, we've got all the water, we've got all the housing, we've got all the clothing, we've got everything that we really do need. But one of the most fundamental things is clean water. So is, is that the impetus? Is it that we're going back mm. to the basics? We're making clean water for people who just can't even get access to water? Is that what you're doing? Absolutely. You know, I think well, there were a number of reasons why clean water, but I think that the World Health Organization talks about depression as being the second leading global burden of disease by 2020, right? So, I mean, there's something seriously wrong going in our society. And and so there's this sense that, you know, depression is a very complex illness that's multifactorial, you know, but I, I believe that there's this sense that people feel isolated, lacking in purpose, meaning, connection. And so I think that actually doing this challenge and really connecting with the reality that one in 10 people on this planet don't have access to something as basic as clean water kind of throws life into perspective a little bit. And I think, you know, having that perspective can really help us to refocus on what we have and what we can be grateful for because we can all just get so lost in our own worries. And I think that, you know, what I've learned through my training and practice is that really, and this is really what mindfulness is about essentially, it's about actually starting to become aware of our attention. Where are we putting our attention? What are we focusing on? You know, are we focusing on the negative thoughts, the lack of the, oh, if I had this, then once I get here, I'll feel better? Or are we actually looking at all the good things that we have in our life in this moment. And so I think there's something about setting this up in a way that does remind people to touch into what they have and actually get perspective on on the privilege that we have living in a country like Australia or, you know, people do this mindful mate all over the world, but just touching into, you know, what you have and actually how good it feels to to sense that you can make a difference in other people's lives in this very tangible way. Elise, um just, just thinking, you know, as as you're chatting away there, and and you know, I, I love I love the whole concept of mindfulness. But there'll be some people out there, and we have spoken about mindfulness a number of different times. But you mentioned, you know, your your program deals with the evidence and looks at the evidence and the scientific, you know, uh, rigor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I noticed that you've interviewed Craig Assad, and and we've he's a great friend of the wellness guys, and and you know, we love Craig's message too, and what he's doing in at Monash, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But mm. how how does the research how, what makes a mindful 
project or a mindful challenge better if it's researched than a mindful project that's not researched or it does it not matter sure look i i think you know as 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 we were talking about earlier this idea that motivation you know getting people to actually do this as a habit something that's really built into their everyday life like brushing your teeth i think the more people understand about the science the more motivating it is and the easier it is to really commit to this practice similarly to exercise you know built into our culture now is a Everyone knows that the research is out. Physical exercise is what we need to do to be physically fit. But now what we understand from all of the research around mindfulness is that if we want a mind that functions at its best, particularly in a world that is becoming increasingly demanding, stressful, overwhelming, challenging, we actually need to train the mind. And so I think that the science really does help people understand how this can help them. You know, it's so true, though, because what you're saying is that there's the, the technology is is going to increase um, the demand on on society, right? And we, if we don't find a way to learn to cope and adapt to the to to that technology, and not, I don't say technology is all bad, because I mean you're utilizing technology, you're Absolutely. leveraging technology to actually you know create this, and but it's important to actually learning how to adapt and and being able to function from it. So because I know that one of the motivating factors, I, I I'm like I must admit, like going through the 30 days, like I said, was really challenging. And, mm. you know, and continuing that habit is very difficult to do. Um, but one of the things is that the one of the motivating factors for me is knowing the fact that most successful people in this world meditate. Like, you know, if, yeah. if, you know, if there was, yeah, you know, if you talk to any, if you listen to any interview with the most successful people in the world, in any field, most of the mm. time if they get, give one or, you know, a couple of advice, usually meditation is part of those top five advice that mm-hmm. we give to everyone. And it's such a, that motivates me to going, okay, well, if they're, if that's something that all of those people are doing, there must be something in it. So mm. what is it that about mindfulness or meditation, mm. um, gives them that edge? Mm-hmm. First of all, I just, in response to what you're saying, what I want to say is that I always say to people, we're all too bloody busy to be doing something that doesn't really benefit us. So my invitation with Mindfully Made is Mm -hmm. to actually commit to using it as an experiment and putting all of your judgments, all of your doubts to the side and actually just doing the practice. And then once you've committed to it for, you know, a few weeks or four weeks, ideally, then at the end, you make a conclusion for yourself and you actually check in and you say, and you sense like, has this actually improved my life in any way? Has this improved my quality of life? And if the answer is no, then don't do it. You know, so I always say, explore it for yourself. But I hear what you're saying. Obviously, if all these top leaders are doing it, there must be something in it. And there absolutely is something in it, according to the science. Now, I I actually went out and and did my own research on Mindfully Mate. So I wanted to answer this question, because this comes up a lot. How long do I have to meditate in order to get any benefits of mindfulness? Because a lot of the research that's out there, which I'd love to touch on, some of the highlights for people, um, is around programs that involve sort of on average about 30 minutes a day and for a lot of people especially when you're beginning that's an unrealistic amount of time right when you're yeah, starting well, that's off right there like when you say 30 minutes i guarantee you a lot of Freak listeners out. right now god's oh that's Freak it off. i'm not even gonna yeah. try yeah. so hang on yeah. so this is the good news so the good news is i wanted to answer this question you know how much is enough so mindful may was this 10 minute a day 
invitation and challenge. So we actually conducted what I believe is one of the biggest studies around online programs because um, we have such a large, you know, th- tens of thousands of people doing this every year. So what we discovered is, um, and again, this is sort of preliminary research. It was um, a qualitative research, so it was survey-based, self-reporting survey-based, but we had a very large cohort of about um, over 200 people doing this, and we discovered that 10 minutes a day over one month was definitely enough to create significant benefits around reducing stress levels, um, increasing um, improved sleep, um, around improved ability to manage emotions, a sense of flourishing. These are all based on sort of scientific scales that they use in the surveys uh, and self-compassion. Did I already say that? So anyway, the point is that there is, you know, there's preliminary evidence that we now have around the Mindful program that 10 minutes a day for a month is enough to actually give people a definite sense of improved quality of life. So that's reassuring for people. And look, as I say to a lot of people, it's, 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 there's a great metaphor with physical exercise because we all know that when you go to the gym and you're unfit, it's going to feel pretty bad. And you just kind of have to, you have to drag yourself there and get over that hump where finally you start to feel physically fit again. And then there's that, there's that organic natural sense that your body just wants to take you to the gym because it's supporting you to feel better. And the same is true with meditation. For someone who has never meditated or is a real beginner, I just want to warn them that the first week or so might feel actually uncomfortable, you know, because the mind is not used to this. This is a skill and a practice and a training. But it's if you stick with it, what does happen is that the mind starts to actually crave it. It's like the metaphor of water. You get thirsty for this for this practice because it actually does fulfill and um, create a lot more calm and groundedness and ability to see more clearly what's going on from day to day. You know, I totally agree, especially like exercise and what you said, it's it's about building that foundation and having that sort of like the solid foundation to kind of, you know, build it up to so that it becomes comfortable and it just becomes like natural that your body craves for it. And one of the things I'm not sure if it helps the listeners that um, maybe about uh, about a year ago, actually, I, I met a, a um, at a sort of entrepreneur event, and this guy, his name is Randy Kelly. He um, he's he is a former Navy SEAL sniper, and he was teaching a course on meditation. I'm like, if a Navy SEAL <laughs> sniper is on there teaching me meditation, I I got to learn something from him. And he actually got me started on back on the meditation um, because he, one of the things he told me with the one, you know, it was not necessarily a trick per se. Is that when you say, you know, when you say 30 minutes, I, you know, I jumped in to say that a lot, that's a lot of pressure. It's because there's expectation of that, you know, the expectation mm-hmm. of carving out 30 minutes. And he says that, you know. Why don't you, if it's meditation is hard for you, if 10 minutes is too hard for most people, it's not, it's not most, it's not that hard, but if 10 minutes is too hard, start with a minute, you know, like totally. the expectation of having to do something and just mm-hmm. start small and just slowly increase it by a minute. And that in itself was the, it almost just took the pressure off of me. And I started 100%. with, I think three minutes and then I went to five and then went to seven and then went to 10. Like it just kind of gradually increased and it really helped me. That's a really skillful way of, of working with the practice. And actually, you know, as I said, through Mindfully May, so I interview just incredible leaders in this field. And and one year I interviewed BJ Fogg, who you guys might know about. He's a and I really invite the listeners to to look him up. So he's a Stanford expert in behavior change. And he actually has a brilliant online, free online course called the three tiny habits.com. And he teaches people how to build habits. And one of his principles is start small. And he actually says, you know, 
whatever habit you want to create, make, choose, commit to something that's going to take you less than 30 seconds. So in this case, it would be 30 seconds of meditation a day and do that. And he talks about three important things that you need to think about. Number one is do attach this new practice or behavior to something that is already a habit, i.e. brushing your teeth. So say I'm going to brush my teeth in the morning and then do this 30 seconds. Once you have done the actual behavior, it's really important you give yourself positive acknowledgement because apparently there's something that goes on there with dopamine release where you're giving yourself some good, you know, acknowledgement and it actually builds that, you know, your your body wants to do it again. Um, And then he said there's a natural inclination that that habit will grow. So, so I'm really supportive in, in what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. And, and actually in the, in the program, I do give people, you know, one minute practices, five minute practices, because we all know we're just, we're humans trying to do our best. And that's one of the messages that I put through in Mindful in May. If you fall off track, even during the month, it doesn't matter. Just get back on. If you're having a particularly hectic day, here's a one minute practice. Just do that to keep the fire alive. Um, so I just, I, I do want to highlight for people that are listening that, it's a challenge and as you said, it is really hard but I also infuse this message of self-compassion and don't be too hard on yourself. So you kind of come into it with a spirit of, you know, trying to do your best but, again, there's no failing this challenge because the reality is you sign up, you're doing it for a good cause so it's really a win-win-win. It's kind of the approach we want to take for wellness too, isn't it? Like you just don't want to bolt out of the gates and then, you know, go hell for leather and then fall off the wagon and then not be able to get back up on again. So, yeah, just being exactly. kind to yourself. I think the kindest, exactly. the kindest approach is, is good. Um, just going back to reinforce Lawrence's point and your point there too, Elise, you know, I, I did Mindful of May last year and uh, and really enjoyed it. I found it, oh, not last year, back in no, 2014. No, you didn't do it last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go yeah. back to the reason why I didn't do it last year. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But um, we... Uh, I then also did Trevor Hendy's uh, little program and that involved uh, meditation. Then I did uh, the Headspace app. And so I've been progressively trying to really nail this whole mindfulness meditation uh, thing. And I still haven't got it. We're three years down the track. And so for people that listen to this, they think, oh, my gosh, I've done meditation. I've done that before. I've tried all of this. It's a persistent uh, you know, approach. You've got to keep on giving it a go, chip away, chip away, chip away. And eventually, like Lawrence has, has made this be part of his life, you'll make it part of your life as well. So, you know, just mm. keep on going. Now, at least I want to find out something. Uh, last mm. year, you took a hiatus. We uh, mm. we were all sitting there waiting with bated breath, expecting Mindful of May to happen, and uh, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Elise, we were kind of left hanging. What what I, I went down to I went down to our local coffee shop, went down to Super Random, hanging out, waiting to find out what would happen, and you weren't there. What happened <laughs> last year in 2016? Yeah, so this is I think this is an important story to tell. So I had a baby. I had my first baby a year and a half ago. She's a gorgeous little girl. Um, but, you know, as happens with life, things don't always go to plan and unexpected challenges can happen. And so I was unfortunate to have some pretty significant physical complications after my after my birth, um, which really, you know, it, it just, apart from the normal challenges that come up when you step into motherhood, um, there were some extra things that were going on for me that made it pretty tough to do anything else. Um, and so Mindful in May was approaching and I had every intention, you know, I was gearing up to do it. And then I just had this sense within my chest of just a really strong sense of disease. And 
it was just this realization of I'm completely insane. Like there's no, absolutely no way I would be able to do this. I mean, running this global movement, it's, it's, you know, the irony is that it's actually, it's, it's quite, it's quite a big task. You know, it's not necessarily meditative on the back end, although I do make sure that my whole mindfulness practice helps me to manage such a big stressful kind of thing. But anyway, so I, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do this. And this was a pretty big thing because, you know, I'm driving this campaign. No one else is going to fill in there for me. So, but what came up for me was that I am really about walking the talk and mindfulness for me is a, is a very deeply integrated way of life. And what that means for me is that it's a practice of actually being present to what's happening and realizing what's going on from moment to moment and then in in being present to your life in that way making wise decisions to to what your situation is and so I realized that you know the wisest decision here was going to be to not run this and it was pretty tough so I had to think about you know how am I going to let the community know Um, so in the end you know I actually just shared a long email that was titled something like six ways mindfulness has helped me manage through tough times and I really just shared the practices and how they'd helped me through this very bumpy road which they really had I mean gosh just incredible and um and I shared that out with the community and what unfolded was a really great lesson in the fact that you know vulnerability in appropriate ways you know not oversharing which can happen a lot online but vulnerability and sharing truth is actually such you know a powerful way of creating connection with your community and I got the most incredible responses a lot of people responded to me with their own stories of you know thank you so much for letting us know and you know I've just had the toughest time I've gotten divorced or I lost my mother or I just got diagnosed with this or I've been in cancer treatment for the last year and it's you so just this sense of a connected humanity that we're all in this together and that life is just always throwing us unexpected challenges and I believe that when you're running a business that's really the only way to be you know as a leader I think just walking with honesty and integrity and 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 trying to use all this stuff as grist for the mill to to walk your talk so that's what happened and I you know to be honest it was a pretty scary decision because I'd put a lot of work over the last four years into this campaign I thought is is this just gonna you know am I just about to kill this whole thing but you know I got emails already been having emails when's it happening you know so people I think in some ways it's kind of created this appreciation for the campaign that people have really been hanging to get back onto it you know it, the honesty about that, the the story, and then what you went through. I think really just lets people know that even you know for someone like yourself, who's you know obviously started this international global movement on mindfulness, also gets stressed, right? There's also yeah. stress that you have to deal with, and I think a lot Absolutely. of people oftentimes would put um, a lot of uh, leaders and people uh, into a pedestal, and they think that they don't have, they all have all their crap put together, and you know nothing goes wrong. But the truth yeah. is, human beings, right? And we we got to yeah. deal with those day to day things. And and by sharing that story, I think it really helps us to kind of appreciate also to know that we're all going through the same thing, which is what you said. All human beings are going through the same thing. It just might be a, a di- you know a different situation or different uh, yes. environment or. But the way we process that emotion is still expressed in the same way. And how, you know, how you actually process it, how do you adapt to it is such a, um, it's basically how human beings have to learn how to do it. And so when you have done that, when you actually had to make that decision, like when you made that decision, like that moment you go, you know what, I'm going to have to let this go for a year. Yeah. 
what happened to you? Like, how did you feel? Like, was it like yeah. immediate relief or was it more like more stress? How, how did, what? what yeah. Happened? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt a loss, you know, there was a loss because I, I'm so passionate about running this program. You know, it's such a fulfilling, meaningful thing. Every year I get just the most incredible thank yous and emails from people that have talked about how this program has transformed and changed their lives. You know, one woman, I'll never forget, you know, she'd lost her husband suddenly. She had twins that were four years old. She had not left the house. She felt like she couldn't breathe. And someone said, try Mindful Man. She did it. And it, I mean, she's now flourishing and she's just an amazing woman herself. But so how did I feel afterwards? Um, it was the right decision. And there was a sense of both and this is again in life you know sometimes there's going to be mixed emotions like I was holding space for a sense of loss that this wasn't happening and I remember when May 1st came and nothing was going on I was like oh you know that's sad and I hope I can get back to this but at the same time a really clear sense of that was a wise decision and you know I've got a daughter and this whole thing about you know there's no point contributing to the world if you're not able to actually contribute and be present to the people around you in your immediate family and friendship circles. So it was, it was the right decision. Yeah. I'm going to bring this back from the, the mixed emotions and back to meditation and mindfulness. Sure. I think oftentimes when we meditate, it's very similar to what you just went through. You have the emotion of like, this is a, a loss. Like this is something like, it's almost like your baby, right? But yet mm. at the same time, it's like a relief of, of like knowing that, you know what, it's just not the right time. And just knowing that that was, a, uh, you know, mm. it was just a perfect um, choice to make or decision to make. But oftentimes that's exactly what happens in, in meditation. Oftentimes I can just doing it myself is that there's like this thing of like it's supposed to be quiet right it's supposed to be like this quote unquote mm-hmm. expectation that's supposed to be quiet i'm not supposed to be thinking but then all these thoughts come in and you just like there's all these mixed emotions during the meditation process mm-hmm. what is can you give us some tips because that's usually the sure. biggest challenge yeah most people. yeah yeah i'd like they to say, talk to that to calm that that monkey mind that's inside your brain how how do you deal with that emotion that comes up yeah, I think that's a great question. So first of all, I just want to say that I think that that is probably the biggest myth around meditation that gets in the way of people really having an opportunity to try it out. So this idea that meditation is about stopping my thoughts, um, I just want to say that, that that's not, you know, that's a myth. That is not correct. So, so anyone that, you know, has felt in the past, oh, I'm terrible at meditating, I can't stop my thinking, you can just relax and know actually that's that's not what we're trying to do here. So, yes, as you practice meditation and as you sit for longer periods of time, the mind does settle and those racing thoughts do settle. But in the, you know, in the beginning, it's actually more about, it's actually about developing a stability of focus um, and also helping giving the mind space to actually calm, to detox from the overstimulation. And so actually when you sit to practice initially, there's no way your mind's going to be calm because you've come out, you know, you've probably just come from a busy day. We're all just got too many things to do. So you'll sit down and you'll actually what I say to people is if you're noticing that the mind and the thoughts are racing, it's actually a good thing because you're actually seeing what's going on in the mind rather than not even being aware of how chaotic and agitated the mind is. So tips around that would be, um, and this is what I do in, in the guided practices that I offer. It's, it's actually really about, getting into the body and and helping to calm the body first. So we use the breath. So you use the out breath and you're really scanning through the body and, and first of all, releasing tension in the body that's being held there that's associated with this tense kind of 
overwhelmed chaotic mind and so that's a really helpful way to start calming the mind through calming the body first and then you know what what you can also do is just notice as you sit so you might sit you know if you sit for 10 minutes notice how at the end perhaps the the thoughts might have slowed down and if they haven't that's okay too but I think the key thing is it's not about stopping thoughts it's actually about you know, the thoughts are the distractors. So actually, I want to give this example. It's very helpful. So the training is really like when you think about lifting weights or physical training, the muscle grows through resistance to the weight, right? So it's actually the resistance that's supporting the growth of the muscle. And so too in mindfulness meditation, what you can think about is it's really about you're training the mind to be more focused and every time the mind wanders off or you get lost in a thought, that's a distraction. The key is that you're just recognizing you've gotten lost in thinking and letting go of the thought and bringing your attention back to whether it's the breath or sensations in the body, wherever you're choosing to focus your attention, which we need. Um, And every time you do that, that's like a mental dumbbell lift for your mind and in that process of bringing the mind back to where you're intending it to be focused which is what meditation is about you're creating new neural pathways towards greater presence greater focus and in that greater capacity to be present to what's happening in every everyday life and responding with more wisdom rather than sort of on automatic pilot we get stuck in these old patterns of behavior at least there's some great tips there for people that are engaging in the challenge which uh which is coming up you know very very soon by the time this goes to air we're about four weeks out from the challenge actually starting um at the point where we're actually recording now elise you've raised nearly two or what is it two hundred ninety thousand dollars for clean water projects is that just this year or is that overall yeah no so that's we um so basically we've raised um just over five hundred thousand dollars in in the years gone by and so that's brought clean water to over 10,000 people and we've built clean water projects in collaboration with Charity Water, who is the partner charity, mm-hmm. um, and we've built the clean water projects in Ethiopia, Rwanda, Uganda and Nepal. Oh, amazing. That's amazing. So for people to get involved in this, there's four things they've got to do. Um, and you can find this on the on the website, but of course, if you go to thewellnesscouch.com, look at this episode in the show notes, you actually find um, some links through to the website. You can check all that out. But, um, of course, they've got to register. That's really important. Um, then you've got to go and raise some money. How much money should people be aiming to raise, do you think, Elise? Well, this year it's $50 to $50 of donation or fundraising will be equivalent to bringing one person clean water for life. Okay. I mean, this is like a life For a whole gift, life. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that, you know, I think maybe people about like knowing that fact, like how how many lives they want to transform this year, and then set a goal. Um, in in the past, I think some of our top fundraisers have gotten to sort of two thousand, three thousand um, dollars per you know as one person doing doing some getting sponsored. Um, but I just want to highlight for people so there, there's a registration fee, which is not a donation. That's just to that that gets you this incredible online program that really at other times of the year would be sold for something like about two hundred to three hundred dollars so you're getting a huge amount of value and then you're invited to either make a donation or if you want to you you get sponsored to fundraise so you can choose whichever one you know suits you better yeah 
That's fantastic. And then from the 1st of May, everybody gets um, an email from you every single day, which I think is an amazing contribution. Like that, that really keeps you going. And then, of course, while you get meditating and helping your body out, you're actually helping and raising funds, you're actually helping people get clean water. We should get Melbourne Water as a key sponsor here. Like I think this would be an amazing thing. They should be. Yeah, actually, yeah, you know, Melbourne Water has been incredible. Melbourne Water has been on board and, and gotten really into it. The whole staff there was doing this oh, challenge and they raised a significant amount of money. Google in Silicon Valley got into it and also was one of the top fundraisers, not surprisingly, mm. which was incredible. We've had corporates being interested. I've had, um, you know, we've had celebrity ambassadors like Magda Zabanski was on board a couple of years oh, ago. She actually did the yeah, she actually did the challenge and she states that it's because, you know, she tried different apps and what have it, but she said that the support and just that nudge of the daily email and a sense of community and doing it for something that's more than just for yourself was really motivating and helped her really develop a habit. So, you know, so, yeah. I think it's such, it's such a great thing. I really, really encourage everybody to participate. It's just not even, it's, I mean, it's a great cause, first of all, right? Um, and the Charity Water, I supported them um, many times before, and it's just a great cause. But morally, just for yourselves, I think the, the yeah. listeners here, like this is such an amazing challenge to to put yourself and to be able to just create a sense of just trial to see, like you said, you know, see if it works for you. And if it does, great, continue onwards. Uh, you join never know team. what it can change. It. Yeah, join, join our team. So we're going to yeah. sign up and uh, create a team so go to the wellness guys team and join us and uh let's do it together i'm really really we just got to find brett and uh, get him on board here too so uh yeah. we'll definitely make sure to make sure that happens <laughs> let's be what I would love to share because I think it's really inspiring, motivating, and as I said, we do share a lot of the science and you hear from some of the top neuroscientists in the world about their research, but I'd love to just share like maybe two or three of my favourite pieces of research around this, around mindfulness for the listeners just to get them a bit excited. Would that be okay? Sure. Yep. Yeah, so I just want to share with the listeners. So, you know, as someone that's studied the brain and the mind from the inside out over sort of two decades, I mean, the research that hit me the most was that there was a research by Sarah Lazar, who's actually one of the neuroscientists that's featured in the program in previous years, um, that two months of mindfulness meditation was enough to actually change the structure and the function of the brain in the area of the prefrontal cortex. So this is the area behind the forehead. It's often, um, it's often called the CEO of the brain. It's a really high-functioning part of the brain and it's responsible for things like focusing paying attention um, emotional regulation which is our capacity to manage our emotions when we get triggered and under stress so how we relate to our emotions can we actually manage them and respond calmly or do we get completely thrown off and you know stress out and respond inappropriately and maybe make the situation worse um, and also decision making so this area of the brain she did brain scans of people that hadn't meditated and looked at these people that had meditated over a two-month period and actually saw saw that the brain had thickened in this region, which implied that this is um, a sign of enduring change that has happened in the brain. So that's one piece of research that's just absolutely incredible that, that really wow. speaks to this capacity of neuroplasticity of the brain to change based on what we're doing with it regularly. Um, and then one other piece of research that is really quite mind-blowing was done by Richie Davidson, who's another guest um, that has come on to the Mindful MA program, probably one of the leading figures in researching mindfulness in the brain. And he, he did some research in 2015, which actually revealed that um, in – I think it was in a day. Okay, this is obviously people aren't going to do sort of six to eight hours of practice a day. But anyway, what he did find was that people that went into a one-day retreat where they put one day aside to do practices, they actually did blood tests and they found that um, 
protein inflammatory proteins in the blood in the body had actually reduced and this was because actually down to the level of genetic expression so genes that express um, that the code for inflammatory proteins which we know are bad and contribute to chronic disease of all different sorts these genes were actually the volume on these genes were turned down and they were producing less inflammatory proteins so as he said you know this is just early research but what it's pointing to is that you know this practice through the mind-body connection has really a profound potential to impact the body and the mind in very positive ways Wow, it's incredible. It's just such, it's awesome. Um, I'm going to grow a bigger brain than Damien over here. So, my phone's um, going to be enormous. Imagine how big my phone's going to be. Jeepers. <laughs> For your five head, not a four head. Uh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Elise, for, for being here and, and to sharing your, your your insights on this because it's just fascinating. And, and thanks for creating something so powerful. And I think uh, from a global perspective, I think it's going to really help us and it's going to create a movement uh, in this. So guys, make sure you go to mindfulinmay.org. That's mindfulinmay.org. Register under the team of the Wellness Guys Show. Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, let's, uh, let's, you know, let's create a movement. So thank you. Yeah, so much. actually, you want you you want people to register through your link that you're going to share um on your with the podcast as well. That's probably the easiest way for people. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So why don't yeah. we do that? So when you go to the wellnesscouch.com, go to this particular episode. We'll put it in the show notes, and then you can link it from there directly, and then you can sign up for the team. So thank you so much again, guys. Make sure you go to facebook.com, go to the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys uh, Facebook page, like us there, share this podcast with your friends, families, and other strangers you think need a wellness update. And actually, thank you for all those people who have just discovered us for the first time. I know we've been getting a lot of messages who just found out the wellness guys after six years then they're going back cataloging and and going back to all the 300 shows that we have already done so thank you so much for you know letting us know that you just found us and uh, you're enjoying it and uh no please make sure you do go to itunes though uh, because leaving us a rating there and leaving a comment allows other people to discover us our show too so until next week begin creating wellness to our lives lead by example let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.